Welcome to Resilient Communities, a RAND podcast series providing insights on cross-cutting issues in the field of community resilience. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to Dr. Jordan Fischbach, a policy researcher whose work on behalf of the RAND Gulf States Policy Institute has considered the effects of climate and other environmental changes on the Louisiana coast. His research has helped the city of New Orleans address the challenge of reduced flood risk and is relevant to many other coastal communities that are concerned with water resources, infrastructure planning, rising sea levels, and flooding. Dr. Fischbach, what are the potential benefits of non-structural risk mitigation and what have we learned about how non-structural risk mitigation can be used to promote community resilience? Well, non-structural risk mitigation um, is actually a, a term that refers to a range of different actions that, that could be taken by local communities or by individual home and business owners uh, that are intended to reduce or prevent disaster damages um, through, you know, mostly through these individual investments. Uh, when for referring specifically to, to coastal flood risk, uh, non-structural risk mitigation uh, can include incentives for elevating uh, existing or new homes, uh, flood proofing of homes or businesses, revised mun- municipal building codes, so encouraging a variety of different people in a different area uh, to uh, you know undertake these actions, or um, at the more extreme end, when when risk is particularly high and there aren't other effective options. Uh, actually, you know, taking a community and moving it or acquisition of at-risk properties uh, with uh, additional land use restrictions to prevent growth in the future is, is uh, considered a non-structural action. Uh, these tools uh, have been used in a variety of different areas, most often in floodplains uh, that are affected by river floods, affected by uh, large rainfall events or flash floods, um, as well as uh, major hurricanes or other coastal storms. Um, in New Orleans, uh, in particular, um, they've been used, uh, home elevations have been uh, typically used to address a variety of, of flood challenges, uh, mainly lately been rainfall. Um, but these are also very important tools when considering coastal storms. So the most common form of non-structural risk mitigation are typically home elevations. And, and that's because they're often a requirement for purchasing flood insurance through the National Flood Insurance Program. Uh, these actions can v- provide um, a variety of different benefits. Um, obviously, and most importantly, they reduce property damage in the event of a flood. Uh, they also uh, improve uh, community resilience by um, overall shortening the, the displacement time for people being out of their homes, the cleanup that it takes in, in, in communities, and rebuilding times within communities as a whole after a flood occurs. They can also help to avoid encouraging additional dis- development in, in the floodplain in risky areas, uh, particularly when compared to large-scale levy projects, which have been thought in the past to actually promote people moving into uh, a risky floodplain. And finally, um, especially in Louisiana, um, after uh, the hurricanes in 2005, Katrina and Rita, um, th- there's an idea that non-structural mitigation can work within what's called a multiple barriers approach to reducing flood risk. And the idea here is that uh, non-structural risk mitigation works in concert with coastal restoration, um, in select areas, levy building, um, and improved evacuation planning to more consistently and reliably reduce risk. What types of non-structural risk mitigations are most effective at reducing flood risk from coastal storms? Our research is focused on using these tools in areas like coastal Louisiana, where one of the central challenges is that risk from coastal storms is likely increasing over time. Now, the risk is increasing due to several different factors. One are rising sea levels, uh, which is related to uh, global climate change. Uh, the second is uh, ongoing coastal erosion, 
um, as well as a subsidence or sinking of the land surface in coastal Louisiana. So the land is literally slipping away. And, and the third reason um, is a potential link um, that is currently being debated uh, between ongoing climate change and a, a, an increase in the intensity of storms that are affecting the Gulf Coast region. What this all adds up together to mean is that, for example, the 100-year flood, which is often used for planning and is, is the flood with a 1% chance of occurring in each year. Um, so this 1% um, or 100-year flood used for planning today might actually have a higher frequency 10 or 20 years in the future. So maybe it's the 100-year flood today, but it would be the 30-year or even the 10-year flood uh, 20, 30 years from now. Uh, and the problem is we can't predict this with certainty. Our initial research suggests that non-structural mitigation might help to achieve or maintain risk reduction from floods of a given frequency, even with this ongoing change. Uh, in particular, initial research that, that we did focused on New Orleans um, shows that investing in, in non-structural mitigation, uh, primarily home elevations, in uh, certain high-risk neighborhoods, um, even behind the levees in New Orleans, can help to maintain a 100-year level of risk reduction even in future cases where sea levels are rising or land is sinking more rapidly than expected. What we did find, though, is that for more extreme events, those that are, occur with even less frequency than the 100-year flood, um, these actions by themselves may not be enough. And for areas at particularly high risk, um, especially along, the, uh, along the, uh, the edges of the coast, the safest and most cost-effective approach may be to move communities entirely um, out of those risky areas. A major challenge in making these decisions, whether it's for local communities, for individual residents, or for business owners, um, is that the consequences of these decisions play out over you know, many decades. For example, think of a 30-year mortgage. Um, but we may not have enough information um, at, at present to fully understand what, what the risk will be over that entire time. And what that suggests is we want to take a more cautionary approach. So um, actually, this is in itself a case for non-structural mitigation because you can use localized non-structural mitigation rather than large-scale infrastructure or levee building to allow for greater adaptivity in response to these changing conditions. In addition, uh, when actually going through and, for example, elevating a home, uh, you can build in a, a, you know, additional, uh, an additional measure of safety. So, uh, for example, elevating the home higher than the current 100-year floodplain as a way of offsetting or hedging against that future risk. So finally, uh, these are areas that uh, we've explored uh, through our research over the last few years, but we're still actively researching these questions, particularly in light of, of future uncertainty about uh, coastal flood risk. What is the best way to increase resident participation and stakeholder buy-in needed for these types of programs to generate community-level impacts? Well, this is a challenging question and one that our, our research is really only beginning to address. Uh, one of the key challenges here is that, you've, particularly with non-structural risk mitigation, you have individuals making decisions uh, for themselves, for their families, for their businesses, and all of those decisions sum up to a community-level effect. Um, so what you, you, you need to focus on individual decisions, but you really want to see uh, an effect change community-wide. So for example... Uh, the National Flood Insurance Program provides direct or indirect financial assistance to support mitigation investments. But RAND research conducted in 2006 suggests that only half of eligible residents living in flood-prone areas participate in the National Flood Insurance Program, even with subsidized insurance available 
and insurance requirements for federally backed mortgages. And so you've got about you know only half of residents actually participating in the the flood insurance program, and their actual use of the mitigation incentives is is even lower. Um, in addition, uh, the state of Louisiana's draft 2012 coastal master plan, which was released several weeks ago, uh, and which Rand worked closely with the state to help develop, calls for investing nearly $13 billion over the next 50 years in a large-scale non-structural risk mitigation program to elevate floodproof or acquire properties across coastal Louisiana. So with this program, we need to have a much better understanding of how to encourage participation and buy-in um, you know, on, on a coastwide basis. So for example, one current project we're conducting with support from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, is we're looking at the gap between expert views and residents' views of the flood risk challenge in New Orleans. The goal of this project is to help identify key factors residents use when deciding whether or not uh, they're going to mitigate. Um, and in addition, we're trying to identify what additional information they could use they, that would help them to make more informed decisions. Um, and all of this will go into, and we're hoping to support, new risk communication or engagement tools um, for the New Orleans Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. So the key information um, may include a variety of factors that are not directly related to ac- the actual flood risk or to the cost of mitigation. Uh, so, for example, um, in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, one of the challenges was a, a lot of difficulty finding a reputable contractor and um, uh, to elevate one's home. Uh, another major challenge is the amount of time that you have to spend out of your home and, and all the associated costs um, when you're actually trying to, let's say, elevate an existing home. Um, and then there's all sorts of concerns, for example, like accessibility. So for elderly residents in New Orleans, the number of steps or other concerns about accessing their home might be a key challenge and impediment uh, to mitigating. So this is, an, this is an area we're currently researching and we're hoping to summarize for the New Orleans Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness soon. Other key questions we'd like to address in the future include uh, how to better structure voluntary non-structural mitigation programs or mitigation incentives to help improve participation in these programs. And also thinking more uh, holistically about um, how different types of mitigation can work together, for example, home elevations and improved evacuation and emergency preparedness uh, to improve overall community resilience to flood events. Thank you for listening to the Resilient Communities podcast series. This series is a product of the Rand Gulf States Policy Institute and is made possible with support from the Charles M. and Mary D. Grant Foundation. For more information about Rand's work on community resilience, please visit rand.org topics community resilience. Resilient Communities also produces an online newsletter for sharing ideas, research, and strategies to build resilience. For more information, please email communityresilience at rand.org.